Morning, church. Such a lot of uh, emotions and uh, just thoughts going through my mind and through my heart. And um, just even as we were worshiping, like, I really just sense, like, it's such an awakening that God wants to do among us. You know, um, Brett shared in the prayer meeting about in the desert, there's an oasis. And, you know, when somebody finds an oasis in the desert, it's like, that's life, you know. And I just felt the Lord say, like, you know, we, we need to understand, like, this world, like, it, it actually belongs to Satan. It, it doesn't belong to him. Yes, he's the governor over all things, and one day he will come. But at this point in time, like, it's never meant to be, like, some sort of holiday resort. It's actually we're in a desert, and it's the desperate that is going to make it through. It's going to be those that are going to be like, God, like, whatever it takes to get to that oasis, I'm going to be there. It's those who are really hungry and thirsty for Jesus. And my prayer this morning is that, that God would just show us. I think even for myself, like sometimes I don't realize just how dehydrated I am in the Lord. And you know, the thing is like I can picture somebody that sees the oasis and continues with things and never drinks from it. And eventually they pass on. And everybody else go like, why did that person pass on? They looked so strong, you know. They looked so strong in God. And it's because they stopped drinking from the well. You know, we were just walking with everybody else. But we personally stopped drinking from the well. And that's my prayer this morning. That just as I share, even my testimony. That God would just create such a hunger and thirst within us again for Him. Amen. So, my name is Yurik. I am married to a beautiful wife sitting at the back of the Anaya. I've got two kiddies, one, three, well, soon to be three. You know, you stop counting off to two. I'm kidding. But, uh, yeah, I am really honored to, to just share with us this morning. And I want to say that I do serve on Rian's team, Rian and Helen, and that it's an absolute pleasure. And I think, you know, before I even start, I want to say this. I've been part of this church like yo, when we used to face that way. Seriously, like we used to face that way. And I've been under many leaders. But I'm not just saying so like, honestly, I've grown so much under Rian's leadership. I'm telling you like everything has forced me to just surrender to Jesus. I'm not saying the other leaders were bad. I'm saying I've grown so much under his leadership. And I told him once, as I told him, you know, Rian, the gift that you have is, which I struggled with at the beginning, is like, you see the worst that is going to happen. Like everybody sees the good, the good, the good, but he sees right at the end. And sometimes when you struggle to see that, you're just like, I can't see what you're saying, you know. But actually, I've learned that when I just sit down and listen to what he has to say, it's actually saving your soul from the end. And if we can learn that, like look at what, that's, that's actually the way God works. So he goes like, if you continue down this line, sometime or another, it's going to end in destruction. And so for me, like, man, I love gifts. God gives gifts to everybody, but character, character, that's what we've been called to. And so um, I'm going to share my testimony, but I want to just have just a few scriptures so that we know like where we're going to with this, you know, so that it's not all over the show. 
uh, 1 Peter 3 to 9. This is probably going to be the longest passage. Everything else will be short from there. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. Filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Just want to finish off over there. So here's Peter, first of all, just speaking to believers. And he's going like, I mean, you can't call an unbeliever born again. So clearly this scripture is to believers. But it's so important to recognize that in verse 9 he says this. Or from verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him now, you believe in him. But it ends off with saying, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so when we read that, we've got to understand that the day I committed my life to the Lord, that's not the day when it ends. Salvation is an ongoing process. So if I get saved today, that doesn't guarantee me that if I don't continue to walk with God, that I'm going to be saved on that day. There's an outworking. And this is so important for us to, to realize because more and more we're seeing in the churches that it's like, you know, I committed my life to the Lord and people continue to live the way we want to live. But actually, there's a moment in our hearts when we surrender to Him and we go, Lord, and I say, Lord, where we're going, not only do I want you to be my Savior, because everybody loves the saving part. But it's the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is what God is looking for. And you know, when we're under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there is such an inheritance for all of us. You know, people, I've many a times read that scripture about, you seek me and my kingdom first, and I'll add all these other things. And I always wondered if these other things were like, you know, maybe materialistic things and those things. But Jesus is clearly speaking about the kingdom. And you know, I believe with all my heart, in the, in the light of his glory, we are actually spiritually poor. Like in the light of his glory, we are spiritually poor. And the more I begin to identify that, man, the more I become hungry and thirsty for God. In the light, you know what kingdom is? Kingdom is when trials are going hectic. Where Peter says to you, like, why are you surprised by this? You know, he's speaking to believers and it's like, why are you being shaken up? Like, this is what we call to. That's kingdom. Kingdom is not the testimony of, hey, I lost my house and now God gave me a bigger house. No. Kingdom is I lost my house and I'm still able to rejoice. 
I'm still able to love God. I'm still able to reflect Him as well as I can. Kingdom is losing loved ones, close ones. And going like, God, like in spite of all of that, I still want to glorify you. Kingdom is my brother slapped me three times on my right cheek. I'm going to offer that left cheek three more times. That's kingdom. And Jesus is going like, man, I'm telling you, if you are poor in spirit, I've got the kingdom that I want to give to you. So that when we leave, it's like everything we do, it just reflects God. Reflects God. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. eh? It's amazing when God does Give spiritual and physical breakthrough. All right? I'd love a mansion. You guys hear what I'm saying? But with a mansion or without a mansion, I still want to reflect Jesus well. That's, that's the message, you know? And so, um, yeah, Matthew 5, 3 just says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And again, like I say, it's, if we could almost just tweak it a little, and I don't want to tweak God's word, but just hear what I'm saying. If I could read it, I'd love to read it like this. Blessed are those who identify that they are poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. It's like coming to that place every day where you just go like, God, I can't actually do life without you. Like, man, I, like, we can't, you know? And, 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 and as I'm going to share my testimony, I want you to know, like, man, God comes for the broken. There's, there's no level of brokenness. Look to your neighbor and just say you're a broken person. How awkward was that? <laughs> hey? It's like, how often do you hear, look to the person and say you're the head and not the tail? No, 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 today, look to the person and say you're broken. <laughs> but um, it's that understanding that really breaks open the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you this now, guys, like, we build our complete foundation on Jesus. The whole thing about Josh Jen is Acts 2, 42 to 47. And over and over you hear about devotion, devotion to the apostles' teaching, devotion to fellowship, devotion to... And that's actually the very character of Jesus. He was so devoted to us that he gave absolutely everything just to show us who the Father is. You know, if you want to know how somebody's God is, look at their religion. If I look at anybody that calls himself a Christian, like, man, that's a, that's a weight to carry. The world has made this thing so light, it's so easy to say, now I'm a Christian. But the way we speak about Christian is just, I'm different to your religion. So I'm Muslim, I'm Hindu, no, no, I'm Christian. But actually, in those days, you bear that name Christian Three things is going to happen. You're either going to die, or you're going to be thrown into jail, or I can't remember the third one, but it's important to know that something bad was going to happen. So, something bad was going to happen. Like, that's, that's bearing the name Christian. Today, it's easy to throw it around. I'm a Christian. That word Christian comes from Christ-like. We're looking into your life. We're killing your family. We're killing your kids, and you're still reflecting Jesus. That's Christian. And we go like, God, like I call myself a Christian and I'm telling you the truth now. I am far from what they reflected in those days. I'm trying my very best to be more Christ-like, to surrender to him every day and just go like, God, like I don't even know how this is going to unfold, but please, Jesus, help me in this. Old school, no laptop as fancy as Harry. 
Maybe when I have a mansion one day, he'll die. I'll, iPhone, listen to me. I don't even know this stuff. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, um, I want us just to keep this in mind. We're not going to go there. I'll just read it out. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. speaks about how we actually, I think Martin mentioned that last week, that reflection of the glory of God. Not written by law, but written by the Spirit, the Spirit inside of you. And then he says, and we behold this glory of being transformed from one degree of glory to another into his image. And that's so important to remember. It's like into his image. So the goal at the end of the day is not to be a better Yurik or a better Shaw. The end result is we got to reflect Christ. That's a massive bar to try and reach. And I think God intentionally made that bar so big so that anybody that thinks that they are good and they're going to make it, it's like you're so far gone already. So I don't want to put a heavy on us, but I need us to understand like we need to wake up as a church and I'm not being hard, I'm just saying like we need to understand like that's, that's been me for many years, just thinking that going to church is enough, spending quiet time with Jesus is enough, tick box, going to community. It's like, no. It's like, Yurik, like how are you reflecting me in every area of your life? How are you reflecting me in serving Rian? How are you reflecting me in loving your brothers? How are you reflecting me in the workplace when things go really haywire like You know, are people able to look into your life and just go like, there's something about Jesus that I can see over there. That's the end result of our salvation. And so I'm actually going to close here and just share with you guys my story. And um, maybe some of you guys did hear my testimony, but if you can just give me a few moments, I'd, I'd just love to share just a little bit. So I grew up, and uh, my mom and dad, and I think at the age of 14, my parents split. And um, my dad was always like a hero. I think like every son, I think their dad would always be the hero, whether they choose or, or not. It's just like you watch your dad, you know? So... And, yeah, so sorry. And um, he was my role model. And the reality is this, is that when he was about six years old, his dad walked out on him. Not like my parents, they split. We were aware of what was going on. His dad was like packing the bags and then just telling them, hey, dad, just going out for the evening and never, ever came home again. Six years old, I mean, can you imagine, eh? Four-year-old boy and a six-year-old, two brothers, every day. Mom, mom, when is daddy coming home? And all that she's trying to do is just be like, hey, listen, dad's coming home, dad's coming home. Two years later, he still hasn't come home. And my grandma found out like just where he was at, that he was seeing a lady in Durban. So she wanted to keep the marriage and she went over. And uh, at that point in time, he was now eight and my uncle was six years old. So they get to the beachfront, and there's his car parking, nice valiant at the time. And uh, they are so excited, the boys. Eh? That's like, because they can see just like through the rear view mirror, like that's definitely dad. So they run toward him, and when they get to the car, they just like, like you know, must know this is two years, like daddy, daddy. And Bru, he rolls up the window and drives away. Eh? Bru, like broken, like. 
mom comforts him in that moment and just like, hey, it's okay, it's okay. Maybe daddy didn't see you. Sure. It's hectic. And so he grows up and he needs to learn to defend for himself. And so that's my role model. Now I'm looking at a broken man that's just trying to do his best. And so at a young age, he becomes like a leader of a gang in our area and very, very quickly becomes very quickly recognized. And um, all the friends, so obviously now this is my role model. This is what I'm looking to. And so when my parents split, like I felt like this is the time I need to stand ground and I need to, you know, care for the family in one sense. And so very insecure, very broken, just started joining different gangs all the time. Like, man, I think in our area alone, maybe about five, five different gangs looking for affirmation, just looking for sort of father figures, you know. True story, there was this one guy and he took us in and uh, only now when I look back at it, like, your bro, like he slaved us away. Eh? We worked like until four or five in the morning doing clothes for true words and all that we'd get is like a plate of food and a glass of cool drink. But we were so happy. We we're like, yo, we get to have some food, you know. But this guy actually became such a father figure to me because he invested in one sense, like keeping us around there. And, you know, one day we got into the vehicle and uh, everybody was wanting to get into the car, you know. And I made sure that I sat right in front and all the other friends was like, hey, why are you sitting in front, eh? So I was like, nah, man, this guy is like my dad, you know. And my brother looked at me and was like, hey, bro, that's not your dad, you know what I mean? But I was so desperate for affirmation that I would take anything that was going to be a father figure, you know? And so, um, obviously, now growing up and uh, everything that you know is the way to, uh, to live, the way to walk, the way to do anything. It's like, it's always guarded by violence. So we joined a certain group and we started this group and there was about 12, 13 of us. And man, I remember one day we had such a massive fight at school that we thought we're going to take this like after school. And so I got home and we all met by my place and we have like baseball bats and knives and we're going to go do this fight now. And uh, my mom, she was like radically saved day. So she knew something was going on. And I don't know, it has to be the Holy Spirit because I don't know what I'll do in a moment like this. But I feel like my mom knew she wouldn't be able to stop us. So she said, before you guys go fight, can I just pray for you guys? It's like, okay, cool. Not for real, eh? Can I just pray for you guys? And, you know, she prayed for us. And I could see the friends were, like, thinking, like, yo, this is not normal. Like, you know, we're actually going to go fight now. You know what I mean? Like, wow, praying. Anyway, so we get there. And when we got to the corner to fight now, the opponents, in one sense, pray like, these people brought people that were like proper killers. We, were, we knew we were in trouble. We were like, this isn't the guys that we were supposed to fight, you know? You hear about in Cape Town, the numbers gang and all that. Like, these are proper killers, bro. So when we get to the day, they just tune us like, as you're naughty boys. And I'm telling you, in that moment, I promise you, in my heart, I was like, nah, I'm a very good boy, sir. <laughs> Yo, it was like we knew, eh? We knew. And honestly, in that moment, they took the guns out and they were like, because the other gang told them that we were a gang that normally fights against them. So they were like, no, you guys are Americans. And so now we're going to shoot you guys. So they've taken out the guns and all of us, I'm telling you, if I could go as pale as Rian, I probably look like that that day. 
And here's this gun in front of our heads, eh? And the leader of that gang, I don't know, there was just like the second we just looked at us and he just went, like, just run, man. Like, in other words, like, just go away here. Don't ever come back over here. You know, eh? Did you ever see somebody run with their chin to the ground? I was like, if you're going to shoot me, you, you can shoot in one place and I'm fine with that. But I was going for it, my brother. And, um, but when we got back, all the friends said, Yurik, I'm sure that was your mom's prayer. And I was like, yo, that is hectic. Like, how do you know to pray in this moment? So anyways, so that is like just a little bit of a background. So all that I understood is just, you know, violence. That is how you work things out. And then um, I think a few weeks just before I turned 21, yeah, I still negotiated with God because I knew what I wanted to do on my 21st. So I said to the Lord, Lord, I know my mom's been pressurizing me to give my life to you. There is actually like an emptiness inside of me because at that point in time, like, my then girlfriend, which I was dating for about four or five years, that was actually, she was the very reason why I actually got saved. Because again, like I was saying, I was just such a sucker for affirmation and love. Like, yeah, this, eh? This is how broken I was. This girl after five years splits with me, all right? All that I have in my mind is I'm going to marry this girl, and yeah, she breaks up with me after five years. So now I'm devastated. I'm broken. I never used to take drugs, and suddenly I'm taking drugs to try and fill that void. And then I come up with this great idea to go like, how can I maintain this love that I have from this girl? So I phone her and I say, I know that you've broken up with me and I know that you're seeing someone else. I'm okay with you dating both of us. <laughs> you guys laugh, bro. That's, that's how broken I was. That's how much I just wanted love. So desperate for love that I was willing to go to a point of like, man, you can share us. I'm okay with that. Like, as long as I know I'm also still a boyfriend, you know? Yeah, that's hectic, bro. That's hectic a story I don't like to share, but you need to know. Desperate for love. And um, anyway, through that, my mom kept on telling me like, Yurik, need the Lord. You need the Lord. Because she could see like something is different. I think the one night I came inside to her, eyes was so big because I was so high on drugs. And I was like, Mom, I love you, I love you. And it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm sure she must be thinking like, Yo, what's going on, you know? But I think that's what drugs do. It starts to work certain emotions. And uh, so anyway, I want to commit my life to the Lord. I've got a plan for my 21st. I know what I'm wanting to do. And one day... Two weeks before my 21st, we were going to a club. And uh, I was always like full of life. I think Martin shared a little bit like that, but it's like a fake life. You know what I mean? Like you're laughing and you're joyful and those things. And so that's how my friends knew me. But when we were coming home, just that emptiness kicked in again, like empty, empty, empty. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, drugs is not working anymore. I don't know. I really don't know what more to do. So I got to inside and I just burst out in tears, just burst out, just like honestly didn't know how to handle the emptiness any longer. And as I walked in, I went straight into my room. And I know you guys heard this, but my mom left the Bible in the room, picture of Jesus over there. And boy, just broke down. Eh? I said, God, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to pray. But Lord, I'm, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of living this way. I want to commit my life to you. And I felt the Lord say, go and tell your mom. So I went to her, but she's thinking that's 
the same occasion that happened the last time walking in three o'clock sky. But actually this time, I was very desperate for Jesus. And, um, and then she realized, like, this guy is actually very serious, like, about committing his life to the Lord. And so she said she's never led somebody to the Lord. And thankfully, it was Sunday the next day. So she said, okay, okay, okay. We can pray tomorrow. We'll ask the pastor to lead you to the Lord. And I remember going back, and I, I was laying on my bed, and I said to the Lord, um, you know, God, I wanted to commit my life to you now. But okay, I'll wait until tomorrow. In the meanwhile, the Lord speaks to my mom and says, what if I take him away tonight? So then she shouts out, Yurik, Yurik, come over here. And uh, my mom led me to the Lord. And that night I, I committed my life to the Lord. And I knew that something was different. I couldn't explain, but I knew that something was different. And I went into my room, never opened up the Bible. But I felt that day, let just, just something told me, just open it up, man. Open it up. And here was the story of Peter and the disciples in the boat, and Jesus was standing on the water. And Peter said, Lord, is that you? And Jesus said, it is me. And he said, okay, if it is you, give me the word. And it was like all the story was unfolding right now in that moment. And I knew that Jesus was real. But the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because that's not where the journey ended, you know. Only lately, I think I spoke to Rian in this week, eh, about confrontation. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, then God came, and then he like started to really soften me. So now all the violence, and you know, now I'm really becoming soft, eh? like teddy bear soft. I mean, that's the way God works. And um, obviously this thing still rises up, and I remember maybe walking with God for about a year. I was actually very good friends, still good friends with uh, Dave and Bridget's son. Uncle Dave and Auntie Bridget, son, and uh, we were walking one day in Canal Walk, and as we were walking, they went ahead of me, and this guy was coming on, but I'm telling you, you're still dying, man, you know, and as he was coming on, I could see, like, this guy's, he's, he's looking for trouble, but in me, I was like, just go the other way, but I didn't want to, and so we walked into one another, and I told him, are you crazy, but in the ugliest manner, a colored guy can say it. And I promise you, eh? I could see Dave and Bridget's sons turn around like, and all I thought was, please don't tell your dad, because I was scared of Uncle Dave. Please don't tell your dad, you know? But they were so gracious toward me. I think they just said, hey, Julio, you okay? And she said, nah, I'm okay, man. And, but I realized, like, yo, this thing needs to die, you know? And then um, we were at some, I can't recall, uh, not 412, what was it called? NLT, what was it called? LTD, there we go, yeah. Limited edition. No, it's LTT. So we went over there, and this guy was speaking about Abraham. Like, Abraham, you're just talking about Father Abraham. Your mouth broke, eh? And it was like God was just pouring out the Father's love over me. Father's love over me. The next day, like that thing, honestly, like, I wouldn't say it was gone, but I was so soft. And the softness, there was just... Like even my brothers and my friends that I grew up with now, these guys, they were like, like they couldn't understand like this is who I am now, you know, so soft. And uh, what happened then was now where I want to fast track is coming to where we are right now. And about a few days ago, maybe in this week, I told Rian, you know, Rian, I've been almost in one sense robbed at work because... I haven't been confrontational 
Because my only understanding of confrontation was you fight it out. And actually the Bible says like we have to be confrontational because blessed are those who are peacemakers and not peacekeepers. That was what he mentioned. And I realized like the reason why I'm so scared of confrontation is because I'm so scared that that old thing will come out. So I, I actually don't know how to be confrontational. And we've got a responsibility as God's children to speak the truth in love. And I knew that what God was calling, to me, calling me to, like, I have to be, I have to find victory in this thing. And so it's like God purposely put me in this place where this thing is going to have to be confronted. And so in this week, like, the manager, we didn't have a fallout, but he said something. And I knew, like, I, I can't just leave it like this. Like, I have to address this. And then I'm looking at scriptures and I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? And all that I know is like, okay, be gentle, be humble about it, but speak out because you've got to speak out. And you know, my whole body was shivering like I didn't know how to do this, eh? And as I went to go and speak to him, it was amazing. It's like the peace of God just came over me. And it's like God made it so easy that at the end of that conversation, we were almost on one sense on common ground. It was like, I understood what he was looking for. He understood what I was looking for. And for the first time, it's like God was going like, you know, before you were very hard out of brokenness, then I made you very soft, and I'm going to help you find the balance. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you guys is, you know, that might be personal to me, but for every one of us over here, like the whole thing about salvation is about glory to glory. And when I say glory to glory, I'm not talking about looking all together. I'm talking about every area that God wants us to reflect Jesus so well. Every area. And I mean, for me, that areas of lust, I had to find Jesus. I had to find victory in that. And thank God I did. There was areas of, um, and Uncle Lionel can maybe she or she tell you about it, like punctuality, like I started at 7, but I'd come to work at 9 and think it's normal. You know what I mean? And all these things like God had to unfold. Not because he wanted to make a better Uric, but it's because he was trying to show me that Uric, like the whole call of salvation is to reflect the image of my son. And I'm telling you guys now already, like I haven't stopped becoming desperate for Jesus I don't feel I made it, and I'm not just saying so, like, I really don't feel I made it. I feel there's a lot of areas that God is still working in me. But there's such a reverence and fear of, God, what if it comes to that day, and I didn't surrender my life, or I didn't allow you to work this thing out, that God would look at me and go like, you know, you've, you almost came to a certain point, but you never went further. And I want to say, like, I can't guarantee to anybody over here that what it's going to look like on that day. But I do know that the Bible gives us this assurance. I'm going to end off just with verse 9. Again in 1 Peter. And I just want to start with that. Sorry, I'm going to read verse 8. It says over here, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him, now you believe in him. And rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible. And filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want to say this. 
We have a responsibility just to stick it out with God. And there's going to be things that he's going to ask of you, that's going to bend you, it's going to humble you, it's going to take every part of your flesh and it's going to bury it. On a, on a shawl, because a few weeks ago we spoke in community, and it was the night of worship, and it, Andrew was talking about extravagant worship, and we inca- I don't know how the conversation went, but I said, Shaul, I can't wait for you to stage dive, and he said, no, the Lord's been speaking to me about dancing on the stage. For real, eh? Promise you. And week after week, I'd be like, you know? And today, we saw him dance on the stage. You know? And for me, like, that's so important. That's, that's like going like, you know what, God? This is how I feel. This is how I am. But, man, let us not hold on to what we are or who we think we are. Let us strive to become more and more like Jesus. Whatever that looks like. For some of the young men over here, you're going to have to find victory in areas of lust. I'm letting you guys know now because you're never going to move forward with God if you don't find victory in that area. For some of us, ambition, like man, Jesus is, whoever wants to be great in my kingdom, let him become the least of these. And when you're under a leader or a community leader that seems to be hard and never give you the opportunity to preach or teach or share, it's actually God going like, man, lower Just go lower and lower and lower. You know, if you're in this place over here and you've been serving for all your years and you never get a recommendation, it's like God going like, you know, my son, he came as the king and even his own people didn't recognize him. Just just reflect him well. But for every one of us, there's an area today that I believe that God is challenging us on. And he's going like, I need you to reflect my son.